0: Hello, this is Mike Lanier from the thecarshownationals.com Let's Roll Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Jeff Thisted, Hot Rod Power Tour, spokesperson, good guys, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And we're here with Larry, the axe man Roach. I don't know if he's any relation to Monty Roach. He's out of Minnesota. He's a big pinstriper out here, but I don't know how many people have the name Roach, but maybe you're related.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure someone that a lot.
0: <laughs> but uh so you're from street outlaws and uh this is what how many seasons for you
1: uh braced on no prep kings for two seasons two,
2: se- okay, two yeah, seasons okay
1: yeah two
2: right. seasons and then okay you... for the folks at home there's all yeah. these d- sorry to interrupt mike we got the street <laughs> outlaws we have street outlaws in memphis and oklahoma and texas and colorado and timbuktu in portland oregon portland maine uh and no prep kings hmm. what can you tell me the difference? Yeah, I'm a fan. I watch some of the shows. I can't watch them all, but c- tell me the difference, please. So basically, Memphis has their
1: deal where they race on the street, and then Oklahoma has their deal on the uh, 405. So no, uh, no Prep Kings is where everyone kind of comes together and races okay, on the track, and there's no prep.
2: My thought is that, or is it accurate to say that the uh, the Street Outlaws in Oklahoma, the 405 with Big Chief and Murder Nova, are the that w- was that the first series of the Yeah, that was hours? the first series, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. Kind of like Happy Days, and then for Happy Days you get Laverne and Shirley, and Joni loves Chachi. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> no Prep Kings is like another step. That's that's like uh, they changed it up, and uh, basically the way it came about was that's a way for the spectators to come out and visit the racers all in one location, and then it just grew from there.
2: Okay. All right
1: Very and cool. you have Texas racers, uh, I mean, racers from all over the country in No Prep Kings.
2: And how did you get involved with it?
1: Uh, I'd always raced on sketchy surfaces in Virginia, <laughs> and I loved it because I love, like, driving the hell out of my car. I love—I mean, it actually excites me when it gets sideways. Uh,
2: so explain so, to me, wait, with sketchy surfaces. So you're seriously uh, not you, – you don't go to the track, you will race that th- – and wh- what is your car? Explain to the folks at home. It's a nasty little shoebox Nova. Yeah, uh, all right. On No Prep
1: Kings, I raced a 63 little Chevy two, uh Started off yep. with twin turbo Hemi, and then I went to a Pro Charger so I could get a weight break. Ended up loving the Pro Charger because I've raced blowers my whole life. So uh, my new car, I noticed in season two that everyone was so competitive and the cars are so high caliber that I started building a new car, custom built for uh, No Prep Kings. And that's when uh, this year, no one has really seen it. It uh, it comes out on a fa- the first time anyone will really see this car will be America's fastest coming on uh, Monday. And it's a 67 Chevy, too, with a Pro charge
2: Hemi. Okay. Now, you said weight savings because I was going to ask why you went from the twin turbos to a blower because I don't know if it was Sam Manda. Someone was explaining to me. I, I've i got contacts with with both, and he said I'd go twin turbos every time because once the turbos are spooled up, the engine's along for the ride. Yeah. It's now, like, no I prep, love that analogy. Go. I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: And no prep kings, every combination, nitrous, uh, twin turbo, small block, blowers, no matter what your combination, there's a weight limit for it. So being turbos make 4,500 horsepower, and I mean, it's no prep, but the surface is pretty decent, so you can go really fast. Turbos had to weigh like uh, somewhere around 3,000 pounds. Pro chargers were just coming out, and the weight was around 2,700. So, being a drag racer and being competitive, I'm always looking for that gray area. So, the first gray area I seen was uh, a 140 Pro Charger. And once I switched over, my car picked up a couple of tents and uh, was really competitive with, with everyone.
2: So, the Pro Charger was faster than the twin turbos. And was that because of the, the weight savings, the yes. 300 pounds? It was. Yes. Yes. Okay. And why a Pro Charger, which is a centrifugal? And not a Roots, which looks super cool sticking out of the hood. I mean, that's uh, – you know what I mean? I ran Roots
1: and screw blowers, and the Pro Charger is um, – it has uh, EFI, electronic fuel injection, and I love the, f- the electronic fuel injection. And uh, we run billet atomizer injectors uh, from – and they're made right here in Virginia, so that's pretty cool. So uh, once I ran fuel injection and it cut back on the whole crew so just me and my wife could go race and uh, have fun with the car i really liked it i mean the uh mechanical fuel injection when i ran screw blowers we'd have to rebuild the motor about every six or seven passes it was so tough on it
2: oh wow so and, what kind of injection are you using
1: it's uh uh fuel tech we run fuel tech on it now the ignition system is fuel tech okay very good yeah so uh that's what i really liked about the uh efi was it was just so so easy on the on the engine
2: so now how many me- how often do you have to rebuild it after how many passes? Uh, I could probably go 50 or 60, but I'd rebuild it oh, every wow. 30 passes. Oh, oh yeah. wow. Okay. So, that's, so, that's yeah, night and day difference. So you yeah. uh, you started racing uh, not on a track, out on sketchy surfaces. And I'm uh, sorry yeah. to interrupt you. So sketchy surfaces continue.
1: Yeah, our sketchy surface is like it's little eighth. It's not even an eighth of a mile. It's tenth of a mile bridge. It's t- called Toler's Bridge in Virginia. And we would all go over there around 12, 1 o'clock at night. But our cars weren't like four-second cars at the time. They, we were running seven or eight-second cars. And all of us would get over there and just drag race until the cops would run us off. And uh, you'd about hit these guardrails on the bridge. I mean, it was just really sketchy. So, that, And that would always excite me. And then when the track racing came about, I don't know, I, I loved it. But when no prep really showed up, I was thinking about the times we were always fighting the wheel and having to drive the cars. So uh, that's how
2: I got into the no prep. And okay, now oh, – go ahead, sorry. Go ahead. You go ahead. You mentioned something about the cops, the police running you off. Yeah. And I've heard rumors and stories, and I lived in Virginia when I was in the eighth grade, but I, I was too young to drive. I've heard since they're so close to Washington, D.C., that the Virginia police and patrols and whatnot are worth, worse than, than the Nazi Gestapo, that they are the worst. It, correct me if I'm wrong, but I want to – you lived there, and you have had interactions with them.
1: Yeah, now they they were actually pretty cool. They would they would just warn us and uh, warn us. And actually, my cousin bought the property on the end of the bridge, so they couldn't get us for trespassing on being on private property. So that, that that all came about. That's genius. <laughs> and, and the other thing is the side of the bridge, we would, the start line was on was on Bedford County, so that was on the farthest tip of Bedford County. So it takes two hours for a cop to get there. So we have plenty of time to get over there and mess around
2: before the cops will show up. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, there's a YouTube video of these guys doing an exotic car cruise, and they're minding their own business, driving super slow into this sleepy little town, and the cops set up a roadblock, impound 30 cars.
1: It's like, guys. The cops here are actually pretty cool. I have a good Good, good. impression. They were really good to us. That's awesome. Yeah, and All usually right, so the neighbors the neighbors would call the cops. The cops really wouldn't come until they call, got called.
2: Okay, yeah, especially since it's two hours away. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you grew up you 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 you've been playing on sketchy surfaces for a while. Uh, so how did you get involved with with the TV show? Because you're in Virginia, and I know that the what the um, the original Street Outlaws are Oklahoma, and yeah, that's a yeah. couple of states away. It's not right next door. It's
1: yeah, I had a uh, had a screw blown '64 Chevy Nova. I raced on 275 drag radials, and like you say, it uh, every race or two races, we were blow, spinning bearings, blowing the engine, uh, burning, blowing head gaskets, and uh, I mean, it was costing me a fortune to race. I mean, I, I told my wife, I was like, the, I said, I've, I've uh, we were at one race in Georgia and had a lot of problems. I just told her, I said, I quit. I, I actually beat the door off the car. So <laughs> I said, I quit. I'm done. I loaded it in the trailer, took it home, sold the car, and uh, I thought I was gonna quit drag racing. And I had a twin turbo '63 Nova.
2: Oh, hold on, Before, twin turbo '63. Remind us where we were, Mike. Um, yeah. You told your wife you were quitting drag racing. Did your wife say, "Yay, get! I'm no. so happy! I get now I get you all to myself," <laughs> yeah. or I get Bored more shoes? Out. Or was she sad? Does she love the drag racing?
1: Yes, she loves it. She's diehard competitive, and we had kind of built like families at the racetrack where we know everyone. And we love going. It's like a vacation, really. Uh, So when we get there, we know we're at everyone's trailer, people's at our trailer. I mean, it was just fun for the kids to hang out with other kids.
2: Oh, that's so fantastic. Yeah. yeah.
1: So uh, I had a 63 big tire grudge car, a twin turbo Hemi in it. And uh, no prep kings were coming to Galat two hours from my house. And just being competitive, I mean, 50 of us were talking about going there because they had race UAN. We're like, we're going to No Prep Kings. We're going to race our way in. But they had two spots open. And I'm like, 50 of us, that's going to be t- tough to get in. Because, I mean, you got to race down to two spots to even get in. We go, So we show up, and we're looking around for all our buddies and everyone. There's no one there. There's one other guy there to race his way in. So it's only two oh, wow. of us there to race their way in. I think they must have got nervous or, I don't know, just – you know how people say they're going to do stuff and don't do it. Yes, and That's he kind of what happened. So we get there. And we race, and we get into the show, and we thought it was cool. We had a good time, and we were just racing by ourselves. We ended up getting put out first round by Larry Larson. Then we went to the second group, and uh, I think we won two rounds. And then Megalodon put us out. And uh, I'm real good buddies with Megalodon, so that was pretty cool too, just to hang out with all our friends. And we came back home, and we talked talked about how good of a time we had. We had the time of our life, and uh, that's when we both we both chose to uh, follow the No Prep King circuit.
2: Nice. So what what was different about this circuit? Why did you have the time of your life there uh, rather than other places? What was different about it?
1: Because the surface was not prepped. The cars couldn't use max horsepower. So it, it was a little bit of driving and tuning and a lot of other things involved. And, uh, and the radio racing, which I love radio racing. I love the guys that race it. But when they prepped the track perfect and the tire stuck to that glue, you can spend your whole savings account to win. I mean, you could blow your engine up. I mean, it's just so, you can push your limit. And it just, it was so expensive. And I felt like uh, the no prep took me back to my roots and I really loved it. Like this cars wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't go make a perfect pass every time. I mean, I remember at, uh, I mean, at finish line, smoking the tires at 185 miles per hour, crossing the finish line at, at uh, sideways. I was like, this is cool. This is what I love. So that's <laughs> that's how we got back into it.
2: Oh, that's awesome. Very cool. And you can
1: go ahead. And then so so the next season they had Race way in again in Kansas. (laughs) So we drive to Kansas the first race, and we ended up – you had to get so many points in the first two races to get locked in. Just luckily we we got enough points, and we were locked in to the top 28, and we raced the rest of the season.
2: Nice. And now – well, so uh, aside from the TV show, was that once you're locked in – uh, they, the TV show doesn't need to invite you. You're you're along for the ride. You're, yeah. you're qualified. You're part mm-hmm. of the team. And you can go to as many of those events as you want to drive to.
1: As long as you keep your points above a certain level. Like, as long as you're 28th and above, you're always invited. Nice. That's awesome. So some of the main a- guys w- were not invited. They were having to still race their way in, and we had actually got bumped in. So it was so real because, I mean, I'm used to watching it on my sofa with my kids for 10 years. And here my kids are all walking around in the pits with – all the uh, stars of uh, Street Outlaws. So that was really, that, that was cool there to have that experience, to come from watching them on TV to actually becoming part of the show.
2: How old are your kids?
1: Uh, 11, 7, 5,
2: and 2. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and are are they living and breathing? Uh, oh, they, die
1: hard. They? they die hard racers.
2: Awesome. <laughs> We're so are you, in
1: the basement drag racing each other. Yeah they'll pick out their favorite names, and you—they want to be such and such, and the other will be JJ, and they'll be competing against each other. So it's pretty cool to hear them down there competing, and actually they're they're pretending like they're the movie stars or TV
2: stars. Oh, that's fantastic! In your uh uh in the in your Nova or in any of your cars that you run, do you have a uh, a passenger seat?
1: No, no, I don't.
2: Okay, just curious. I'm wondering. <laughs> I
1: thought about adding one, but I never have.
2: Cause it's i uh, am I'm, I'm friends with uh, Larry Dixon. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen, have you seen two time?
1: The, the uh, dragster with the two seats. Yeah.
2: Yes. I, I it would, gives I me goosebumps. That. Oh my God. <laughs> I, and I've told him plenty of times and he's like, I won't let you pay for it, Jeff. I want you to find a sponsor to get it. Cause it's yes. uh, before I could get it out of my mouth. He tells you it's 10 grand to ride. It, That's what it cost great. him. Yeah. To get, Oh my God. And there's a, so I was doing a, 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 a video, an interview on the car. And have you seen it in person?
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. No, I, no, I hadn't seen the car in person. I've just seen it on TV, like in person, oh. like watching it on
2: TV. So the, the the passenger seat, it's a full-on NHRA cage. It's full-on. Yes. Not, uh, not NHRA, sorry, but it's, yeah, it's but not sure. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but in the back, there's a little butterfly. There's a steering wheel in yeah. the back. And I laugh at it, and then I turn off the, the camera, and Larry comes over. He's like, you want to know why we have that steering wheel? Yeah, because, I mean, you're steering the car from the front. He's not doing – he shows up this video, and you can YouTube or Google this video. Uh, one of his passengers is like, no, I don't need the wheel. I don't need nothing. Larry does the burnout. Everything's good. when he, After he makes his hit, the guy – his hands Going are like this business. for three seconds. It's because you're pulling, what, 10 Gs off the line? It'd be the steering wheel man. so you can hold the hell on. And otherwise, you're a T-Rex and your hands are flittering. It was the funniest thing ever. So that's yeah. why he has the steering wheel on the back of that thing. It's full-on legit.
1: For what racing cost? I'd always told people it would be a lot cheaper to pay for a ride. Because, like, you spend a dollars 100, to 150000 in a car. I mean, ten grand to get that incredible experience, it'd be worth it.
2: And it's... Well, as I was walking up to the car, because I told Larry, for since I know him, it's like I want to ride. And when I first saw it in person out at the track, I got really nervous because yeah, it's—I
1: I didn't know it cost—it was ten thousand. Now I'll be looking to uh, take a ride.
2: <laughs> hit him up, yeah, Larry Dix. It is—it's falling. I asked him how legit it is. It's like we added, 20, we took the frame, added twenty-five inches, took the bullet out of, out of the, the certified one. Dropped it into this one. That's how it is. Yeah. Really? Oh, oh, it's incredible. Yeah. (laughs) Super awesome. So another question. I watched the show here and there, and I've noticed within the past, I don't know if it's one or two seasons or how many seasons, but lately uh, they've got these fins in the front of the car. Yeah. I don't know if it's 10 or 12 inches or what, how long they are. I, and I, it's got to have something to do with the lights, but why that little fin now sticking out in front and wouldn't just the regular front bumper of the car trip the lights? What's, what's well, the that rule all about?
1: Well, the rules uh, state that you're allowed to be like 45 inches from the center of your front wheel. You're allowed – because, say, a newer car or a ProMod or any newer pointy nose front ends – the front end is 40-some inches from the center of the uh, – it hangs over 40-some inches. So if you take a later model car, say one, my 67, the front end is only 20 inches. It only hangs over 20 inches. So I'm already starting at the 25-inch disadvantage at the starting line because you you leave the starting line with your front tires, you cross the finish line with the nose. So I would be getting a 25-inch oh, okay. disadvantage. So if I add the extender to make up the 25 inches, so it's a fair race.
2: So, oh. do those extenders have? Uh, is it the size of your car again? For how long extender you can yeah. use? Or, yes. oh,
1: okay, up to 45 inches from the center of the front wheel. So, if you take a ruler wheel. and start measuring from the uh, center of your front wheel, you can go out 45 inches.
2: So I was telling Mike, Mike, you got to put one of those on your car, man. It'll make it that much <laughs> faster.
1: Yeah, race. I mean, yeah, if you're in heads-up racing, you're you're not trying to give up one inch, much less two feet. So that's okay. where the extenders come about, and um, mostly you see them on older cars because the front ends are so short on them.
2: Yeah, because what's the who's the guy with the red Camaro, the, the fast red Camaro. Lately? Ryan Ryan Martin. But what's the name of the car? It's a eyeball. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. he he doesn't have one, and like you said, most of the older ones. Because I know I think a Lutz just put one on the '57. Yes. Okay, but he doesn't have one on the on black on the whatever his black Camaro is.
1: Yeah, because it's got a long front end on it.
2: Yeah, Pro Mod. Okay. The front okay, end can't okay. go over that far. So,
1: Thank and you that's for how, explaining that to me. Yeah. And that's how the Axe came about on my car was the front end was so short I had to put an extender on it. And I kept thinking, am I, actually, in real life, my CB handle is Axeman because I drive trucks and cut timber and I, I have a logging company. So my CB handle is Axeman. So I'm just thinking, like, that'd be pretty cool. That'll be part of me. Plus, it, it actually works for the car. and helps me in performance. So that's where the axe came about on the front of my car.
2: Oh that's there bad. See, I didn't even know it was on the front. I know that it's got the uh, it's like the hatchet stuck in the back and you yeah. got the little the exhaust spewing out and that's not dry ice. What is that?
1: That's uh all the uh like blow by and stuff out of the engine. Like the puke tank. Every all it's got hoses run from the valve covers to the trunk into a tank to catch all the overflow oil and uh uh puke out of the engine. And then it's, on the puke tank, it's got a little hole in top to let, basically, the oil drops in the tank, then it lets all the air out. So everything comes out of the top of the axe now.
2: And yeah, that's it why I the axe cool.
1: looks like it smokes.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty tough.
1: Yeah, so that's that was another axe I added on season two, yeah.
2: yeah. All right, now you say you're a a, a lumberman. Uh, let me see here. See, I have girly hands. I don't have any calcium. Oh, look at you. They're, all right. they're real clean now. They're really clean. <laughs> they're still clean. But I mean, I don't have any calluses. I used to lift weights and dig ditches and whatnot. Uh, there's this uh, a silly show on Discovery. I mean, silly with all the love. I think Homestead Rescue, something like that. The Rainies. Yeah. And the guy says, "You wanna, you wanna see my resume?" And he holds his hand up, and it's like <laughs> the thing is, oh, it's beat up. So it's like that's that's a hell of a resume. And I figure if you're driving trucks and you own a lumber company, your hands are you don't have a manicure.
1: I really had to work hard from, uh, 18 to 30. I really like, I ran chainsaws every day from 18 to 30. And then as my company grew, I slowly got to more of a manager position and dealing with, uh, the companies to get timber and set up contracts. So, and actually it took until I was about 29 years old, all my foresters and people that I dealt with in business always wanted me to go to lunch and have a lunch meeting. And I'm like, I'm a worker. I, I'm not going to lunch. I mean, I eat on the job. I'm, I'm going back to work. And then I went to a lunch meeting one time and realized that's, I can make more money going to lunch than I could working because you learn so much about business and what's coming up new and what tracks of timber are available and what machines. So now I basically go to lunch every day with different people or salesmen or, uh, that, that helped me a lot in business. It's kind of
0: like going to SEMA. It's kind of like going to SEMA. Yes. Everything
1: yeah, to lunch. And... <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. What Rubbing you, elbows.
2: What do you prefer doing? You do you do you prefer going to lunch or do you prefer
1: working? I, I love working. I love running the machines and uh, driving trucks. I just I'm addicted to it. Yeah, that's I, what I was curious I'm, I'm about. I'm a hands-on person.
2: Yeah, a lot of times we are not. Sometimes we have you know the conference calls. Everybody yeah. gets on the conference call and it's just like that new uh, South Park document or uh, uh, the pandemic special. When Cartman at home he puts up the, the screen. It's like it's just people talking to hear themselves talk I think it gets <laughs> so I, yeah I, I like yeah. working too but Seema is good yeah. fun. And that's so
1: there... that's the way the equipment. I, I mean I love running the equipment and now I kind of miss it because all I do now is work deals and trade it and buy it and I don't I don't get to actually experience the operating as much as I used to.
0: So so question are you busy right now because I think there's kind of a lumber shortage at the moment because of
1: the What well, we're extremely business. I mean, extremely busy, but yeah. like I see in stores, all the prices have went up, but on yes. our logging rates, it hasn't went up. I mean, we still get paid. Uh, actually we're cutting cheap for cheaper rates this year than we've ever cut for. Oh
0: wow. That's odd.
1: Yeah. And when you have all that equipment out there, you can't just say, Hey, I'm raising my rate because there's someone else standing there to take your place so you just uh kind of a year like this you just go with the flow
0: yeah because i know there's a lot of devastation in oregon and that's uh i outside of this i work with some cabinet companies and they're uh they're running out of lumber so their lead yeah. times are way longer than they normally would be so i think
1: all the com- all the uh like uh lowe's and a lot of the other companies they used up all their uh inventory because they learned a lot from 2008 when they had a uh, too much inventory. So now when something like when COVID come about, they just cut back on buying their products and uh, started selling the inventory they had on the shelves. And now the inventory is down. They're just waiting on it. So they're playing the game. They're pretty smart. They have, they know how to make money. It's yeah. not the loggers are gaining from it. I promise
2: you. <laughs> yeah. We're
1: putting in more hours for less. I promise.
2: Yeah, I would rather have you guys make the money than Lowe's and Home Depot. Listen, yeah. you got, you're the one out there getting the calls, You're I mean, you're the one out there working, getting it.
1: Yeah, yeah they're the ones it, marking it, it up. Yeah, they're a lot smarter. I. Nah, it's not working that way. We get, uh, like I say, the only benefit right now is the fuel prices are cheaper. So yeah. that's helping us a lot. That's our that's our profit margin right now.
0: Yeah, and know they're still coming down. Fuel is coming down still.
1: Yeah, so. yeah. I, we use about 20,000 20, gallons a week. So if it goes down 10, 15 cents, I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> I'm that's happy
2: to much. do that. See, you just brought me back to what the uh, uh, gold rush. I see that's why Mike has me. I'm a fan of some of these shows. I watch. And it's like they how how many gallons do you go through a week? Yeah, that amazes me. It's like I got a 29 gallon fuel cell in my car, <laughs> but you know, 20,000 gallons of fuel a week is. And actually, let's get off of this. And when when can the folks? When's your next race?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, like I say, it comes on Monday at. I think it premieres at eight o'clock. Uh, america's fastest that's the
2: next race i'll be on okay so that's the next one on tv on tv yes And that's on discovery channel on tomorrow tomorrow yes tomorrow yes new season my neck the next
1: one we're filming is coming up at the end of this week i think yes
2: okay uh so aside from filming do you uh do you go out and and play with the car outside of filming you do okay i go to piedmont uh,
1: Piedmont, Piedmont, North Carolina, cuts me a deal on the rental fees, so I go there and test a lot. And they'll have uh, no prep races and uh, grudge races, and I'll go there and race uh, and test my car at the same time.
2: So do you, but, uh, do you post on your Instagram or your Facebook if you're going to test the car, or where can the folks at home, where if
1: they have fans... I, I kind of told people I would, but honestly, I'm kind of a very shy, state of myself person, and I don't feel like nobody cares to see me, so I just load up and go racing. I don't, like, I really don't advertise, honestly, like I should, but uh, yeah, I, I know I you need got to, some
0: fans. I know you yeah. got some fans because some of the guys that are going to be on our podcast, I know, like Joe Zoper. And, uh, yeah, Paul yeah, Oswald, Joe,
1: he's been really good to us. He, he's really guys. good to us.
0: They're going to be on our podcast November 1st. Uh, we're going to have 30 celebrities on, so you might want to join that. All right. A, a, a pro Mod Driver, she's going to be on. And Sarah Edwards, she's uh, she drove a jet fuel or jet race car.
1: And we uh, decided car. we were going to go to several races this year because there wasn't going to be much filming. And yeah. then all of a sudden, uh, Pilgrim calls, and we've been racing every weekend. I mean, we've been gone. we just got home last – I got home last Wednesday, and we've been gone for three months. I'd have, oh, to, fly, wow. I'd have to fly back home to, uh, like, check and make sure my business and all was still running good, and then we would fly back. And, uh, like I said, we've been racing for three months straight.
2: Now Tell the folks at home, and I don't know to, who Pilgrim is.
1: All right, Pilgrim is the company that films everything and then sells the film. Great uh, Pilgrim, the film. yeah, the production yeah. company. Production nice. company. That's, uh, then Discovery gets it after them, and yeah, no, no one kind of knows about Pilgrim, but nah, Pilgrim's been really good to me. I mean, to all the racing, they've been re- good to racing in general because I mean they brought on the Street Outlaws, and you, actually I thought racing was going to die out before Street Outlaws. I'd seen yeah. drag racing just falling and falling, and then all of a sudden, boom, they put the heartbeat back in it.
0: That, that's what one thing I was going to say. I thought that people are saying that Street Outlaws saved drag racing.
1: I think literally. it did. I mean, yeah. Literally, like you said. It. I mean, this I've loved it my whole life. I mean, since I was 13 years old, I've drag raced. And uh, to see it crumbling, I, I really thought it was going to fade away. <laughs> and yeah. then Street Outlaws comes about, and it's the biggest thing in the world. And to be yeah, a part were- of it, I mean, that means a lot to me.
0: There's quite a so, few tracks that were closing, so um yes. you know, at the time and now now what you, got you into drag you
2: racing it. at thirteen?
1: What was the spark? Uh I've always kind of been competitive and my cousins I had like eight cousins that were ten years older than me. And all of them had Lenovas and uh Pontiacs, GTO, uh, I think all of them were pretty much Chevy people, I don't think of no Did person. you
2: call that a pointy ac
1: Pontiac, Pontiac, Pontiac. Uh, uh so uh watching them race and i mean they were only running 950s and eighth a mile so i mean back in the 80s that was slow in early 90s uh it really wasn't many performance parts to buy looking back so they had to deal with what they had so uh but i just wanted to race with them and i wanted to be competitive so once i was my first paycheck i bought a set of double hump uh 327 heads at 13 years old i think my first paycheck was 250 dollars I gave my uncle 200 to pay on the heads and in tech. And I kept 50 bucks to live on the next week to go back to work. It was summertime, so I was able to work during the summer. So that's where I was getting the money. And, uh, that's
2: fantastic. At 13, you didn't have a license yet.
1: No, no, no. That, I actually uh, had to get my cousin to haul my car to the drag strip the first time I, I went. I uh, think I went, ran an 860. Yeah.
2: First time I ever mile. Eighth a mile. I ran
1: an 860 at 14 years old
2: and it's because uh, in my opinion it's because of these damn shows street outlaws that any everybody thinks that they can run a, a 10 second quarter mile sure I just put on an, an, an Edelbrock RPM performer intake manifold I can run in 10 seconds like no no,
1: no. 10
2: seconds is fast but it's yes. it's become the number it's like a thousand horsepower now everybody's got to have yes and I mean yes. just because you got a thousand doesn't mean you can run a 10 second quarter mile I mean 10 seconds is fast.
1: Yeah, that's what we're fixing. My wife, uh, CTSV Coupe. And like you said, the horsepower we want is 1,000 horsepower. And it's her daily driver. Uh, that's that's oh, the goal. Oh, <laughs> and the, the, CTS,
2: the old CTSV wagons. I, I, I love, love those yeah. wagons. They are yeah. super sexy.
1: Yeah, she had always wanted a, a two-door, so that's what we got was a two-door. So all that's about to come about in the next couple of weeks.
2: And what, not big tires on it. It's got no, a, it's,
1: a, it's going to be a daily driver. Uh, basically just have a – it should be around 1,000 horsepower, maybe a little sticky tire on it. That's about it.
2: And okay. now what – how awesome is it to be a car guy in this day and age where you can have a 1,000 horsepower daily driver for your wife? <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty fantastic.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that is pretty awesome. I, I like to say to look at it like that, but a thousand, my car makes 3,500, so when I look at a 1,000, I'm all oh, that. Now, what will your car do in the quarter mile?
0: That's what I was thinking.
1: Honestly, I've never, I've never ran it in the quarter, but I would say it should run, uh, should run high fives. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah, that's (laughs) that's stinky fast.
1: I mean, it takes some testing, but I'm sure it would would run high fives.
2: And that's one of the things I I dig about the show is how it shows you guys out there testing that you don't just show up and push a button, get in the car and make it go boom down the track yeah. and, and get these low times. They, yeah. They're squirrely, they're unreliable, they're temperamental, they're all sorts of things.
1: Oh, man, the air changes, temperature changes, surface change. I mean, it's incredible. Uh, like One of the newest experiences I've had here recently is, uh, I mean, watching the show and stuff on Street Outlaws and the cops showing up, you think all that stuff staged. I mean, truthfully, I, I've sat there watching my kids, and they were – laughing when the cops would show up on, and they were testing on the street. So I'm like, oh, a lot of that's staged. That's what I'm thinking. So JJ invites me out to test with him one night. So I'm like, I'm thinking they they got the road shut down for JJ. I'm thinking everything's legit. We're going to go out here and test all night. We pull up on the side of the shoulder of the road and I'm like, what are we doing? He's like, we're about to test. <laughs> I mean, it's a four-lane highway got traffic on. <laughs> and we roll these 3,000 horsepower cars off the trailer and start testing right in the middle of the road. I'm like, I kind of got used to it, but at first pass, I'm like, I don't know. I'm running 175 mile, miles per hour and the eighth of a mile on the street because we got little things to tell us how fast we in the car. So I'm running 175 in the pitch black, and my headlights only about – looks about as big as a flashlight, and I can't see the stops. So all of a sudden, like, I've worked my whole life for this car. I'm about to total it, testing it on the highway. But then the cops show up, and I'm, then I'm really nervous. I'm like, we're probably going to jail. But they were actually pretty cool. They were like, you know, you're not supposed to do this. They talked us through it and told us we had to pack up and leave. So the third time they showed up, they were really pissed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because we just went on down the road a little further and tested some more until they run us off. And then we went down the road a little further, And like I said, third time, they said, hey, we're going to take your cars if you don't go home. And so that's when I figured I really noticed that uh, testing on the street was legit. That really does happen. And racing, I mean, it's serious. Right,
2: that With that my- caliber car. Do you guys have? Is there some sort of a, a, a something you have to sign, uh, or otherwise? My thought is there should be some YouTube video or some behind the scenes video of this, because that to me is gold. That you oh, show yeah. up, you show up on a four lane highway. It's like guys, this is a four lane highway. That's I mean, because that's what I think too. Sitting at home watching on the TV right there. Uh, this is all stage. They got the cops coming yeah. in, uh, you know, fourteen minutes and. They, they, do you, are you guys allowed to show any of that behind-the-scenes stuff?
1: I would say we probably are. I'd say, I would think we we could if we wanted. I mean, I know we didn't show it because we didn't want the other guys to know. It was 64 cars out there. Te- uh, like, we were about to race them. So everyone's running all over the town testing, and the town was upset. So we didn't want people to know where our test spot was. We were 40 miles away from town testing, and the cops wouldn't bother us for, like, two hours. and we knew if we put up videos, the other guys would find out what they would kind of see the area. So gotcha. we, didn't put up, we didn't put up anything. I mean, after okay. the fact we could.
2: And yeah, like, not for, not so not for discovery. It's so the other guys wouldn't find out where you guys yeah. are going. That's fantastic.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We didn't know. And, and these towns that they put up with a lot, <laughs> like you think they're filming a show. No, nah, they're not. The, these towns are excited to film a show and I probably shouldn't tell this, but, uh, You take 64 cars and show up in this community and we're at hotels, we're scattered everywhere in RV parks, we're everywhere waiting for the show. Well, we can't go test on the surface that we're going to race on. They don't allow it. Everyone's got to race off the trailer. So here we are driving all over the town looking for surfaces that look like that. And then at night, around two in the morning, it's 64 of us. or whoever, how many is there running everyone everywhere testing. So the cops are chasing, trying to get this one, trying to get that one. And it just goes crazy. Uh, and America's Fastest, which you just watched uh, last Monday, the only reason you've seen them grudge matches is because the town finally came up and said, hey, we can't take this testing no more. We can't take these cars out here on our street no more. you got to do something. So then they opened the street up for us to test on the street we were going to race on. Hmm.
2: Very interesting, because I heard years ago that Oklahoma City was cracking down on the street outlaws and they wouldn't allow them to do it anymore and that the series was in jeopardy of, uh, of being gone uh but yeah. that obviously didn't happen because there's they're now at season 10 or 11.
1: i think they had to move streets they're not okay. they don't they don't race on the same street no more because so much went on i mean it's it's so much goes on behind the scene you don't even see i mean these guys are legit they really do go out here and uh i mean you think it's just a tv show but they really do take these cars out here and race them and test and everything every night i mean we were on the nights we were not racing we were unloading on the side of some street somewhere testing. I mean, 3,000 horsepower cars doing burnouts, picking the wheels up. I mean, I thought it was all a show, uh, made up for TV, but it's not.
2: It at was night, legit.
1: even. At night, like you said, right. 2 in the
2: morning, pitch two black. In the morning. And...
1: Two in, from, uh, we figured out from a lot of the cops go off duty uh, in, uh, I, I don't want to say the town, but in the town we were in, they go off duty around 1230. And it's not many. It's only one or two till on their shift. So we would wait until after 1230. And one time, we actually, and this is how we figured it out, too. We were going to test and just happened to get behind one of them going out of town. (laughs) So the next night, we showed up at 1130, and that one that we followed the night before actually pulled us over and told us we couldn't do it. So after that, we started going at two. That way, he would get on out of town, and we could uh, have an hour or two to test.
2: Oh, that's funny.
1: And if you can find a road close to, uh, like, uh, train tracks, so the trains coming through every so often. The neighbors are kind of used to the train coming through, blowing a horn all throughout the night. So when you fire them cars up, they don't really call the cops that much.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Look for the train tracks, but is, the cars probably don't handle the going over the, those tracks very well—the big hump.
1: Most of the tra- most of the roads run run uh, parallel with the tracks. Gotcha. Yeah, the one we were testing on uh, two weeks ago ran parallel, and it was actually it was pretty cool. That worked out perfect. There was an old weigh station where the DOT weighs the uh, trucks out today we pulled up in the uh, way station and just unload the cars off and back out in the four-lane highway and just make it
2: oh, that's perfect
0: the area <laughs>
1: <laughs> It's so much stuff behind the scenes uh, it's incredible and if they showed it people probably would think it was staged but it's not staged right I mean Very it's, cool. it's a
0: so on the TV so come- show on the TV show there's approximately 64 cars or is that a number that's normally What's going to be on
1: the show? America's Fastest has uh, about 120.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Okay. Yeah, so in Wyoming, it was getting crazy. We were in there. They had this big park, RV park rented out for us. We were making hits in the parking lot and finally got that shut down. Then the town went crazy. The cops were going crazy. It was was exciting trying to get that one filmed.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, at 64 cars, you can't get them all run down the track in an hour i mean oh, no. that's a lot of vehicles it's like herding cats that's a ima- man i didn't know there were so many and you said you just doubled that in wyoming over 120 cars
1: 120 and they broke it into teams so everyone came every team it was 12 teams that had from eight to ten cars on each team and then you drew and raced each team raced each other and once you lost it would drop into another team and narrow it all the way down to one team then they raced uh memphis huh. gotcha so We're about Wyoming, right? was it? Casper. Oh, Casper.
2: Okay. okay. Casper. So, and you said uh, so. The show airs tomorrow. Yes. Tomorrow on Monday night on Discovery.
1: Discovery at eight Eastern.
2: Discovery eight eight p.m. And then, uh, where do you race? You said you're racing next weekend for the show, as it turns out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the hours like it is secret. I'll talk about that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's all good. So, yeah,
2: uh, no public allowed.
1: Yeah, this is just uh, street racing. It's film, no public allowed. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's for not, it's for a different show. Yeah, I mean, it's for Pilgrim and Discovery, but it's a whole nother show the world doesn't know about yet.
0: Oh.
1: It, it's yeah, going to be very new. exciting. It's going to be huge, man. It's going to be the biggest. I mean, it's going to be huge.
2: Okay.
1: I probably should have seen more. We see believe,
2: we believe it. you. Yeah, it better not <laughs> Are you excited like about that.
1: it? <laughs> oh, believe me, I'm excited about it. Yeah. yeah.
2: How many cars are involved or how many... Probably uh, say. I probably Are can't you? say that. Yeah. 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 Shut probably. up, Mike. <laughs>
0: well, I don't want to get him in trouble either.
1: It's going to be huge. I'm telling you. I mean, yeah. it's it's going to be huge.
2: Where? When can we expect to see it on on the TV?
1: All right, You have this one coming up Monday. don't no, uh, forget America, you, Monday. the brand
2: new one you're talking about. It most likely next, be spring. Spring. Okay. Spring of next year. Say, yeah. I'll say spring next year.
1: Yeah. All next right, when it? Film Before it right.
2: comes out, will you uh you want to come back on and uh oh
1: I'd love, to. I'd love to yeah
2: all right, I'd love fantastic to. Thanks. as long
1: as they'll let me yeah yeah I would uh, I would love to <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's cool. gonna be it's gonna be it's, it's big it's big uh like say JJ is a big part of it so uh, tell JJ
0: that, tell JJ to get a better phone than a flip phone I <laughs> told me he can't do an interview because he's just got a flip phone.
1: Yeah, uh, sometimes when he uh, he'll send me a text, I don't know if I can text him back because I'm like, I don't know if that flip phone takes text or not. I don't send him no pictures because I don't I don't I don't know if a flip phone takes pictures. Well, accept pictures, so I don't ever send him pictures. <laughs> they have yeah. they have been uh, they've been really fun to be around because I don't know you you hear people talk about family and talk about closeness and it's, there again, once you may think it's TV that's making making them look real close and tight. But now nah, Memphis is tight. They're they're very close. The close, I mean, that's true family there. I, I was really impressed. That's the way I grew up. So when I got a so at the time I spent around them, I was really impressed with them. Very, and them girls are truly some tell, badass drivers. I've mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I'll I'll tell you one time. I won't go too much into it, but we were at this one race. <clears throat> somehow the pot had got up to forty eight thousand dollars on small tires. And here, Trish is driving the heifer. And to watch this little girl, I mean, I call her little girl because she weighs about 90 pounds. I, I, she looks about 90 pounds. She rolls up and did everything flawlessly. I mean, I probably would have broke under that pressure, knowing it was that much money on the line. And she outruns a car that everyone said could not be outran. I mean, it was just, it blew my mind. And won the $48,000. I was. forty-eight grand I, in one race. One race. It was a $10,000 race. and then. The other team matched uh, 19,000, and JJ pulled 19,000 out of his pocket. His wow. team put up 19,000, so it was 48,000 dollars cash sitting on the starting line on one race. And the, and she rolled up there and did not break under that pressure. That that blew my mind. And just as you come back down after she won, she uh, the car has roll up windows. She rolls the window down. It's just waving at people, <laughs> just like just like she's on a Sunday drive. It rolls the window down, that.
2: almost like a streetcar, rolling the yeah. window down. None of that Lexington on there. That's yeah. one of the things that I got. I have to admire about the Memphis guys. It's tough for me to watch because of all the talking and yeah. all the talking. And it's interesting when the the Oklahoma guys go up against them in, in seasons past where you can hear Big Chiefs say, be careful of these Memphis guys. They'll, they talk around in circles and confuse you. Until And J.J. <laughs> confuses the heck out of me. And and then they go to say, you know, this drag racing isn't just driving the car. And I'm like, well, forget that. That's all I want to do is drive the car and make the hit and go down the track. All that negotiation and the the, the talking, oh, it, I, I can't deal with it.
1: One thing he's I a, found out about J.J., if you're talking to him about something, he's already five steps ahead of you. Oh, okay,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so if you're trying to talk to him about something, you need to be thinking about next week. Not about what you're doing right now. I mean, he, he's smooth. He's smooth. Uh, I'll give him credit. Uh, and you're, you're talking about uh, Memphis and uh, Oklahoma racing. You're going to see that pretty soon.
2: Nice. Oh, really? Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I may see a bunch of others, too.
2: Very good. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm, one of the, I'm a fan of the show. I like watching that stuff. My pop. Yeah, we got the Disco- Discovery uh, Motor Trend and History Channel, or what's usually on the TV. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: I really, I don't like watching myself on TV. I like watching okay. them guys. But when my part comes up, my kids get excited. I'm, I usually have to have a restroom break or something. <laughs> it just, <laughs> it looks odd to see me, me on TV because I mean, I don't know. I just, I'm there to race and be competitive, but it's hard to see me in that, that on TV doing that stuff. It just, I mean, when it's all going on, I don't think about it because all I want to do is win. But when it comes on, I have to. Uh, let them watch it by themselves, and they'll tell me whether I did good or not.
2: <laughs> and you, what is their And what do they think usually? Will they uh, tell that, you if you didn't do uh, good?
1: Yeah, well, they say. Are I they, do they honest with you? you? Uh, they say I do all good all the time, even when I lose. <laughs> <So. laughs> <Well>, that's, <good.
2: laughs> that's good.
1: Yeah, they are. They're 100 on their dad's side. Yeah. that's
0: awesome. So, do you do you have a street car that you drive regularly? Where. Or... Uh, yeah because jeff will invite you to the power high ride power tour if you're available uh, yeah if you ever got yeah, your
2: your wife's got the thousand horsepower ctsb coupe what, you what's are. your daily oh man
1: my daily is not it doesn't have a thousand horsepower Has Tell got me
2: it's a toyota prius tell me it's a prius no nah. no nah, <laughs> nah.
1: it's, it's a 63 <laughs> chevy nova nice wow. and it's uh you when know. i love
2: those shoe boxes
1: <laughs> I, yeah. I do kind of love them a little I. I've always loved the 67s, but I never could afford them. So 67, 66. So I always done, uh, built the 63, 64 because they were cheaper at the time. You could get them uh, 1000 bucks and then start. And like I say, my first 67 was the new car I got now. But my 63, yeah, my daily driver, it's a, it's a long story to get. I'll try to cut it short. But <clears throat> say when I was 13, 14 years old, I had a Lenovo, had no money the so camel hump heads I, the camel hump heads vega stall yeah. converter cost 25 bucks back then it cost 50 bucks uh little set of 411 gears i mean that was that was a whole powertrain 650 double pump uh holly so i got this little 63 and i started fixing it up and something about it i just wanted i, I think as you get older you want to go back in time so i fixed it identical to my first car the paint is rough it has rally wheels uh, it has double hump heads, 650 double pump, Vegas style converter. I mean, 25 bucks. I mean, <laughs> so when I started up, it sounds like the car I had when I was 14 years old, and I honestly feel like a teenager when me and my sons are doing burnouts up and down the street.
2: Nice. That, that yeah. makes me so happy. Going back to uh, Larry Dixon has his car. I want to say it's a 67, but it's the car he drove in high school. Yes. The paint's rough. Uh, interior's kind of rough, but he 's got the new l t four in it with the, i think the eight l ninety transmission yes, he yep. ran a ten 4 at, not Memphis it beat in the in uh, Kentucky. um uh, but that 's his car from Van yeah. Nuys from high school and boy, I love that that yours yeah. is, so you 're a teenager every time what is your uh your pit car uh my pit car uh, like at no Fair Kings yeah or any track you go to you got a pit car yeah uh it 's a Chevy spark oh, oh. Okay, yeah. that's because uh, years ago at the Carcraft Summer Nationals, this, that's the first time I met Jeff Lutz. Yeah. Super nice guy, yeah. but I see him driving in one morning in this <laughs> smart car. Like, dude, what, you know, what's, what's going on with the smart car? Oh, that's a pit car. Instead of using the Cushmans, they're smaller than a Cushman. They fit on the trailer, and we can take them to McDonald's, yeah. and they have AC. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. What? So I know don't... I see a lot more of these smart cars, and it's like the Chevy Spark. It's. It's not a smart car, but it's small, and it has AC. We were going with the
1: smart car, but we have kids, and at the pits, you can't, yeah, I mean, there's, we need more room. So we went with the Chevy Spark was the lightest, smallest four-door at the time. So that's how we ended up with Chevy Spark.
2: Oh, I love it. That's so funny. <laughs> so uh,
1: so that's how, like I say, the kids, that's what they learn to drive now at the shop. Like, my son's 11, and he's driving the Chevy Spark around. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he drives my little 60
1: 30 i let him pull it around the garage and wash it and stuff but
2: okay so my... uh, back to your daily what's in it what's the uh, the engine is it still the 327 or uh my original engine when i was
1: uh, 14 years old was a 355 chevy it's got okay. it's identical it's a 355 with uh 11 to one uh compression i actually did put a uh back in the day i ran a pretty decent sized cam but i put the big mother thumper in it now so it thumps real good and yes. It's identical. It over, it overheats when I drive it and everything. I mean, it's it's
2: everything I had when I was fourteen years old. Uh, turbo three fifty, turbo four hundred, turbo three fifty, turbo three. And what's the rear end gear? I think
1: this one's a three ninety.
2: Oh, okay. So that'll yes.
1: So that's I can a, drive a little bit.
2: And your eleven-year-old son is learning to drive on that.
1: <laughs> yes. It still has the single single master cylinder and. uh Oh, just, I told my wife I need to change that because on our daily cruises, uh, that could get very dangerous. We
2: well, hear that, and you you probably want to make it so it doesn't overheat too.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I probably should update some stuff, but I'm scared. I if I get like I'm just like any racer, or anybody that works on cars. Once you get started at one step, it never stops. I'll end up a full blown pro mod by the time
2: I'm done if I change one thing. <laughs> well, that's. You know, that's a hot rod, though. One of my friends, after I did something to the 55, so are you done with it now? Like, dude, <laughs> the hot rod, it's never done. There's always something.
1: My daily driver is done. It's, a, it's just an old clunker, really. It's, it's, I want it to, every time I get in it, I always want it to remind me of being 14, 15 years old. And I want it to remind me of the struggles I've been through in life and, like, where I came from. And every time I sit in there and I hit that key and I had to pump the gas or the battery's dead, it reminds me where I started. So uh, I love it. That's so awesome.
0: Well, if you ever need to upgrade a torque converter, we know a guy.
2: (laughs) Hey, that's right.
0: Right Elson is
2: the the, the torque converter whisperer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We
0: know a guy. Good guy.
2: Yeah. I have to look into that.
0: Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Upgrade that Vega torque
1: converter there. I'm I'm sure no one else uses them in this world anymore, (laughs) but, uh, I remember going to the salvage yard when I was 13 years old and my uncle explaining to me, we're looking at this little Vega and he's like, that's the torque converter you need out of that. I'm like, what? (laughs) So we ended up buying a torque converter. I think back then it was like $50 (laughs) (laughs) and it worked. Uh, So that's a story I always like. Uh, I can't wait for my kids to get older and understand what a Vega converter really was back in the day.
0: Right. Very cool. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for joining us. We've had a great time and learning a little bit about Street Outlaws, which is yeah,
2: cool. uh, yeah. a lot. Yeah, where we can did. we? Uh, where can the folks at home find you uh, on Instagram, Facebook, social media? Uh, what if they want an Axman hat? Where
1: do we uh, go? On Axman Racing on Facebook. Okay. Yep. yep.
2: And Instagram. Nah, I don't have Instagram. Uh, get on Instagram. Yeah. That'll help yeah. you out. Axman Racing on Facebook and is it AxmanRacing.com?
1: Uh, just Axeman Racing.
2: No, oh, Axeman.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of simple. I'm kind of small, small. <laughs>
0: Sticking with Facebook, and that's it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, you've got fans out there, obviously. And I'm just throwing this out there because uh, a mutual friend of Mike and uh Mike Cotton, he's on that show, Faster with Finnegan. Yeah, uh, Cotton's a good friend of mine, and I've got his his doing the worm hat and shirts. And like Jesse James made made more money selling T-shirts exactly. than he did selling his motorcycles. So and yeah. you've got fans out there, fans want shirts, they want merchandise. So get it out there, make your fans yeah. happy. Uh, we went to a
1: local track recently, and we'd ordered a bunch of shirts. And like we don't get out in public a lot. I mean, like, we don't travel around other No Prep Kings. And uh, and No Prep Kings, the first season you're on there, no one knows you because it's filming for a season. Yep. We go to a local track, just a to, uh, to a local event. I think we sold seven thousand dollars in t-shirts. I was asking my wife, we sold out of t-shirts, and I was I was telling nice. my wife, I was like, I think we might we should probably get into this business. It's more profitable. I think right. It's more
2: th- Everybody's got twenty <laughs> bucks for a t-shirt. Yes. And twenty bucks adds up. Seven grand. That's your mortgage. That's more. Yes. than you, you know what I mean?
1: That's- yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I really need to pursue that, but I'm bad about My wife, she can sell them. But if someone catches me back at the corner of the trailer around the shirts, I'll give away two thousand dollars worth of t shirts and won't charge. I just it's just hard <laughs> for me to sell. So uh and that's another story. We went to one race and I was kind of working the shirts and working the car and stuff. And so we made about a thousand bucks and I gave away maybe three thousand dollars in shirts. My wife text race said, You stay away from the shirts. We're gonna handle it. And we made seven thousand dollars.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. That's interesting. So, folks at home, if you ever see the Man Larry, out at any of these things, make sure to see him at the shirt tent and not his wife. Yeah, right. He'll take good care of you. Yeah, I do care of people. They, they ask me how much the shirts are, and I'm like, let me see
1: my wife here. I'm like, there are 20 if she's here. There are if I'm here.
2: Right? Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah, That's well, great. I do,
0: yeah, I did the same thing. I ordered $750 worth of shirts, and I've handed most of them out. Like yeah. it's supposed to be selling them. you know. It, it happens.
1: If kids show, come up, I'm, I'm I'll give them every shirt I got. I just can't charge a kid. It, it's just tough on me.
2: Well, with especially with the kids nowadays, it's like so many of them getting into imports and not being into cars. It's like yeah. if you're a fan and you like the small blade and you like that the hot rod stuff, you you got to you yeah. got to keep that fire alive, I think. Yes, I
1: I, I, I love it. I, I, I love it See? seeing their excitement. And that's one I didn't I didn't think about it at the time. But when I started with the axe, when I had the axe to the car, it was kind of like I didn't realize a prop would be that big a deal. Oh. But the kids go crazy over it. And then nice. when I come, come right up to you in person and actually they could care less about, like, seeing me, they want to hold the axe. And when they get to hold the axe, that's when they really, like, you bond with them right there. And when they take that picture of that axe and hold it, it's over.
2: It's, it's like Thor's hammer. Yeah, that's it.
1: That's
2: it. I mean yeah. that's pretty yeah. good stuff, man. Yeah,
1: yeah. So the parents will send me messages thanking me for letting their kids take a picture with it and take a picture of me and that's as that pays for everything. I mean, it's priceless.
2: That yeah, that renews your soul. Yes. What was your uh, your kids opinion of the uh, the Ford versus Ferrari movie? Uh
1: have, I should ask him. I, I remember him talking about it a lot, but he's uh I don't know which one he liked the best in that. What moment. did you think of it?
2: I can't remember what uh Oh, that's funny. My my seven year old nephew, we watched it, and yeah. he loved it. Talked through the whole thing, and we're here in Colorado, and say like, I ended up taking him to the the Shelby Museum in Boulder, and he got to see the car that beat yeah, for, that think... Miles drove. The car that, that beat Ferrari. It's like, what do you mean? It's like that's though. It's not. It's not the one in the movie this happened that's the one that did it in real life no way uncle jeff so it's like i try to to keep that gasoline poured on the fire and 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 when i watched it it was hard for me like i
1: knew it was true but it was just hard to believe that ford pulled that off and there was so much going on back in that time and like and i don't want to wish my life away but it made a part of you want to live back then and be a part of that stuff i mean i think we all still try to live them days Everyone's trying to live in 1966 and <laughs>
2: 67. Well, I used to say that, too, because gas was cheap and the, and the horsepower was plentiful. Yeah. But uh, aside from all this stuff that's going on this year, uh, now or 2019, 2018, you've got, you can go to Ford, Chevy, or Dodge and buy a car with 6, 7, 1,000 horsepower with a five-year, 70,000-mile warranty as long as your credit card is big enough or as long as you've got a big yeah. enough bank account. I mean, yeah. now is not the golden age of a hot rodding, but it is, it's you've got the Co-Poser back. You've got the Hellcats, the Demons, everything. everything.
1: Yeah, I grew up as a little Mopar kid, but when I, when I had to spend my own money, I couldn't afford the Mopar. Ah. <laughs> That's how I got to it. <laughs> my dad is diehard Mopar. And I'll tell you another little, uh, like this might be a little too much, but uh, I had a 60, 69 Camaro single turbo. I mean, it was beautiful. And the guy called me up one day and he said, Hey, will you do any trading? And I'm like, Nope. We need money. Me and my wife needed money to build a house. I said, I can't do any trading. And uh, in back of my mind, I said, There's one car that I would trade for. And uh, in back of my mind, I said, Well, what do you got? He said, I got a 70 cooter pistol grip, 383. And my dad was a big 383 guy because he couldn't afford the 426 or three or four forties. So I, I just kind of slow played him. I said, well, send me some pictures. He sent me pictures of blue mint condition. I mean, it was, uh, I mean money couldn't buy something that nice the way I looked at it. So I, I was dying for that car. So he showed up in my garage, looked at my Camaro, and he said, hey, I'll give you, I think it was like 10000 to boot. He gave me 10000 10, more. Uh, plus the Cuda. Plus the Cuda. So I got Your the Cuda. Cuda. I got the Cuda. And uh, he, he got the Camaro. And I was still looking at the Cuda. Just could not believe it was mine. I could not believe it. So I uh, called my dad, he did not know it. I got, got my dad to come down and we gave it to him. Oh, so this this is the best part of the story. I told dad, I said, you can leave it in my garage. Just leave it here, house that way. It's so nice the car, to stay clean all the time. And dad said, all right, that's fine. So my dad drove the car, took all the family, grandkids and everyone riding in it. I mean, it like took back old time memories. Like you could tell, I, I mean, dad was in heaven. So he comes down next weekend, and gets the car. He takes it riding again, and I'm and I'm thinking like if he leaves it here, I get to ride it on the weekends too. The third weekend when he came to get the car, it never came back. He took it home. He's had it since. <laughs> and uh, about every month, I'll see him cruising through town on his on his seventy CUDA. So he so, still uh, has it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So fantastic. Uh,
1: that was his dream car, and just happened all of it laid right in my hands, and uh, and worked out so he could have it.
0: Now, Very, now I have Hemi. a house
1: mortgage, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, since I'm the sure Hemi
0: is probably one of the best engines out there, is that why you chose the Hemi for your cars? I know it's everything you say in all your uh, cars, you got a Hemi in it.
1: Uh, I raced small-block Chevys for years, and like say, we blew them apart, and it just parts, you had to buy the parts, then you had to uh, send them and have them work. The blocks cut, everything. It was always something. Then I went to big-block Chevys. Ran them for about 10, 10 or 12 years. And like I said, I blew up piles of big block Chevys, And it just, the parts availability and having to custom everything for the engines. Once, and people told me to stay away from Hemi's and they were not worth having. So finally, uh, PKM, Kevin Mullins in uh, North Carolina said, hey, get you a Hemi. And uh, so we talked around and ended up buying a Hemi. And it's the best thing I've ever done in my life. Like, if I need something, it's off the shelf. And it's, no matter what, it's the most power you can ever have. It's unlimited. If someone's called to says, hey, I can make more power than you, I'm like, no, nah, you're lying. No, you can't. I mean, I have a Hemi. If you don't have a Hemi, <laughs> you're not even in the same
2: ballpark. I mean, it's... But, uh, but your Hemi it isn't one that you go to your local Dodge dealership yeah. and uh, and buy off the shelf. Yours is a, a little bit I, custom.
1: Yeah, everything's custom. It looks like... The 1970s Hemi, but now nah, it's everything's Brad Anderson, uh, and I run Noonan heads out of out of Carolina. So uh, now nah, everything's custom on it.
2: Hey, all, That's the guy from a Noonan, Noonan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Once you go to the Hemi, I don't think you ever change. I mean, if you're going to compete at the top level, it's something I feel like you got you have to have.
2: Now is that are you using a single plane manifold or or one of the new like not an LS but a new uh one of the new manifolds?
1: It's a newer manifold, but it's not the newest. It's just, uh, mine had the injectors. I had two injector rails and the newer ones just run a single rail, but both of both of my engines ended up with the same, uh, in, in tech. So I just kept it all. So I didn't change because like I say it costs $8,000 to change it. Two engines would have been 16,000. So I kept it all pretty simple and both of my engines and cars were identical. Every part would interchange. Throughout the last 20 years, I realized if you're going to build two cars or two engines, have everything identical. So if you break apart, you can just grab a part and go back racing. And I that's see, one that, thing really, on the track.
2: I love that kind of stuff because that's that's spoken from experience.
1: Yes. I mean, yeah. Anything?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. I mean, just like on big block Chevys, just having from a tall deck to a short deck, that's a big difference because your headers and stuff bolt on differently and at different angles and different rod length and uh i mean it's just so big a difference now everything i do i'll do identical nice and i love it and the newest stuff for a hemi like the latest and greatest you may gain 50 horsepower well i can't use 3500 so i'm definitely not going to use 3550 so i can just keep buying the same parts everything going to change i mean we were in we were in Nebraska recently and burned a piston. I had old pistons and rods in my trailer. We we're in behind Holiday Inn Park, in a Holiday Inn parking lot under a shade tree. I mean, this is some, 19- this is some 1980s stuff here. They had no uh, garage or nothing. And we pulled the motor completely apart, pulled the liners out, shoved new pistons in, shoved liners in it, and we re- rebuilt the engine in the back of Holiday Inn parking lot. <laughs> I, I, th- I got some pictures of it. I'll end up posting them online. I didn't know how much I could show of stuff, so I hadn't posted them, but. We, we legit rebuilt the engine right there in the parking lot. Change transmission, converter, everything.
2: Yeah, that's badass. Yeah. It's like I, I'm a fan of the – and they're my friends, the roadkill guys, Rodberger and Finnegan. But when they – when uh, Finn broke the Hemi before roadkill nights a couple years ago and in the parking lot on Facebook or, or social media, they got – they called up somebody and, yeah, I got a, a, a Hemi long block here or short block, whatever it is, and they rebuilt it on a picnic table. Yes. In the back of a drag strip and then (laughs) took it to Detroit or Pontiac and beat on it. It's like, I, I, it, it, stuff like that makes me very happy. That's super awesome.
1: This was, it was a lot. Like, this really got out of control because we burned a piston one night. We had to, we raced all night to five in the morning. So we didn't get to the hotel until six the next morning. We pulled the engine apart and realized we got a disaster. We'd have to be back on the street at seven that night a weak chunk of piston and liner in it, put it all back together and something didn't seem right. We thought it was a converter. So we changed the transmission converter. This is all in a day. Go back out on the street. And what was really wrong is when it burnt the piston, all the aluminum shavings got in the oil. We didn't know this because we didn't have time to clean and check everything. Do a burnout, kicks a rod, knocks a hole in the block. Oh, no. So, so, so we go back to the hotel take epoxy, and epoxy the hole up in the block, delve eight more pistons in the hole, re-barren uh, the whole engine, and go back the next night racing. You went racing with the window in the block? Yeah, with epoxy. We took- with A little, to, a a little bit
2: of epoxy, but <laughs> holy mo- That is-
1: <laughs> We went to Napa and got epoxy and epoxy the hole up. It didn't leak neither. We were, we were oh, very surprised.
2: That's crazy. Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. Wow. So, uh,
1: so, and that's one thing in life I've realized. Some of the hardest times and toughest times is always the best when you look back. Because in Nebraska, that was the toughest time we had was rebuilding the engine twice in two days and epoxy in a block and thinking you were out of the race and done and couldn't race anymore. And here, uh, after the fact, it's one of the coolest things I've ever experienced.
2: Right. During the time, maybe not so much. But after the fact, <laughs> you've got a good story to tell. Yeah. It's not yeah. duct tape. It's not <laughs> duct 60 tape.
1: Hours of... epoxy. Yeah. Epoxy, Sixty hours with epoxy. Yeah. Sixty hours of uh of working on a car, five hours sleep, uh like say at the time, like you said, it was it was the toughest time of my life, but looking back is best time of my life.
2: Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. Thanks so much wow. for coming on, Larry. We appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, great time.
0: Thank you so much for joining uh,
2: us. Uh, thank y'all for having me. And again, Axeman Man uh, Racing on Facebook and um you're not on Instagram, no. but Axeman Racing on Facebook. Yeah. All right. Give we'll him a give follow. A check out some of his okay. gear. And uh, be sure to see him at the uh, at his shirt tent at his next yeah. event.
1: Right. <laughs> Appreciate it, guys. See
2: you later. See you. All right. Take care. Thanks. Right, thank you. All. All right.